God's your kingdom here, we pray. Oh, that's awesome. I almost kept singing and realized my mic was on, so I'll spare you. <laughs> we are in week two on a series that's called Tell Me the Secrets of Growth in Christ. And today we're going to talk about the growing seed, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But this parable I want to share with you this morning only comes from the Gospel of Mark. It, it appears in a series of parables about the kingdom, which is where we're at. And it's the most complete record of this series of parables recorded in Matthew in chapter 13. But we're not turning there today. That's just where all this is coming from. The location and content of this particular parable in Mark leads me to believe that it should be studied alongside Matthew chapter 13. We looked at that last week, so if you're wondering where we are, you can go back and listen to that on iTunes later. But last week, we dug deep, dug deep into the parable of the sower. You'll get that about lunchtime. <laughs> but the parable today that we're going to talk about is not just about growth in Christ, but really it's about kingdom growth. You see, Jesus shares 11 different parables where he starts out by saying something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like dot, dot, dot. And then he fills in that blank. I think it's important that we learn as much as we can about a kingdom that he spoke so often of. But in order to understand this parable, we need to first understand the kingdom of God. And in better understanding the kingdom, I think we should look at it through the lens of both the Old and the New Testament. Will you pray with me? Father God, this morning we open up your word and we're going to look at a very big subject, your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that as we come to a close, our desire will be to enter your kingdom. But in the meantime, to live here on this earth in such a way that we honor you and that we're a reflection of you. I pray that we will leave differently than we have come here today. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. It's been said that the idea of the kingdom of God has its roots in the Old Testament. You see, from the very beginning, the people of Israel are described as being unique, as being, and maybe you can fill in this blank for me, being God's chosen people. They, they are the recipients of God's special favor. God himself is their king. But that wasn't enough. You see, at one time, they decided they wanted a king. They wanted Gideon, a judge, to rule over them. But Gideon said this to them in Judges 8.23. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And you would think that would be sufficient for the people of God, for the chosen people of God. But after that, the people came to Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want a king. And then Samuel, was, he was threatened by this, and he, and he went to God. He couldn't believe that these, these Israelites, these people after God's, God's chosen people, wanted a king, and he was so hurt because he had been the voice of God to them. But God explains to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Well... As we go through Old Testament history and, and the Old Testament version parts of the Bible, we will see that God gave them a king, even though they rejected him. But as time went on, history will show us once again that, that more discerning people from the Old Testament recognized God's dominion. 
Lucky for them, David, King David, was one of those discerning people, and he wrote this in the Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 17 through 22. He wrote, But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David knew who the king, true king, was. And he knew God's kingdom was better than anything that we would find on earth. And in Scripture, we learn that the height of the Israelite kingdom was reached in the days with David and his son Solomon. But those days were lived short. As the Israelite kingdom began to decline, even later it came to a point where it no longer existed. But the Israelites still looked back to the glory of their past. They still, we were chosen. Prophets had announced that a time would come when the Lord would reaffirm his reign and restore honor to the people called by his name. It was the throne of David that was to permanently that was to be permanently established. So the kingdom of David, God's kingdom, was to stand forever. Now, as we look at the New Testament, we're going to see that different terms are used in the Gospels to describe the kingdom. Most often, we'll hear it's called the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's called the kingdom of the Son of Man. Sometimes it's the kingdom of the Father, and sometimes it's simply referred to as the kingdom. Now, with that in mind, let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Remember, this is right in the middle of Jesus has just spoken to them the parable of the sower, which I shared with you last week about the sower scattering seed and the different ground that it fell on. And he continues in verse 26, and he says, And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, according to what Jesus has said here, I think there are, there are three things, a few things, but three particularly, that we need to know about kingdom growth. You could write these down if you want, but the first thing we're going to talk about with kingdom growth is it's gradual. The next thing we're going to talk about is that kingdom growth is orderly. And then finally, we will leave here understanding that kingdom growth is from God. I want to break these down a little bit more. First off, the growth of the kingdom is gradual. The kingdom of God did not just spring up in a moment. It was planned. It was prepared for from the very beginning. It was brought into being, and in the past and even now, it awaits its final consummation. This is the central truth that's taught in this parable. The growth of the kingdom is gradual. Uh, Let me share it with you this way. In the growing of grain, nature works in a step-by-step process. It's not hard to detect the result of growth. That's, that's easy. When the, the grain head is full and ready to be harvested, we see the, 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 the result of growth. But it's the process of growth that's hard to, 
to kind of wrap our minds around sometimes. That's another story. You see, for the stalk of wheat to grow, the seed that's planted must first die in order for growth to happen. And once that happens, you'll, you'll see the blade. And it doesn't look like much. Any crop, it doesn't matter if it's cotton or corn or wheat or barley, whatever it is, when it first sprouts, it doesn't look like much at all. But then in time, you, you see that it grows to, to a stalk and then an ear and then a full head of grain, if you will. Now, when we apply this to the individual Christian, the parable is a lesson on patience for us, for Christian growth is a gradual thing. As you, as you become a Christian, we're, sometimes we're excited, we get overzealous. It's a churchy word for you're too excited. And we, we want to we reach everybody, which is good, but we also have to slow down a little bit because we need to know what we're talking about. It's a parable lesson on patience for us. Our Christian growth is gradual. If it's possible, sometimes we expect too little of ourselves, but in that same turn of events, with, with zeal and, and with passion, we can expect too much from ourselves sometimes too. And it seems to me that in our moral and spiritual growth, we just want to take these giant steps. We want to go from, from a new Christian to, to preaching or teaching. And I've, I've had people who have, who have come and said, hey, I'm ready to teach. It's like, no, you're not ready to teach yet. You're still learning. And we forget that we should crawl before we walk. We should walk before we run. We forget that when we fail, because we will fail, we will stumble along the way. We, we get hugely disappointed. And we forget nature's lesson of gradual growth. Nothing happens overnight. No one succeeds in a day. No scientist is made in a day. It's years of studying something. It's years of of working on something for discovery, for a cure. No one learns a new language overnight. People, I love music. I love all kinds of music. But a lot of times what we hear on the radio or what we hear, we don't think, we don't stop to think about the, the long road of struggle and countless hours of practice so that the, the musician can perfect their instrument I remember Andrew Peterson in college, uh, he's a Christian artist, and, and in college when he was starting out, he would do shows at churches, he would, he would play anywhere somebody would let him play, and people would come up to him and they'd go, God has blessed you with this amazing gift of being able to play the piano, and, and he would say, thank you, but he told me one day, he goes, that really frustrates me. Yes, God gave me a gift of music, but I work hard at that every day so that I can play without music in front of me. Hours and hours perfecting that craft. Hours and hours writing one three or four minute song could take a month of, of trying to make it all fit together and then learning it and then memorizing it. Nothing happens overnight. And, and music is one of those things that I think about when I think about this parable. We don't always see the growth. We don't see the gradualness. We just see someone is all of a sudden a star. And coming out of Nashville is so-and-so or American Idol, or The Voice, or whatever. We don't see any of the stuff that takes place that gets those people to a place of maturity, whether it's spiritual, whether it's with a a physical gift. We have to realize you can't simply go to bed a sinner and wake up the next morning a Christian. Rarely is someone brought to the relationship with Christ with just one word. It's gradual. It should be examined. It should be reflected upon. Mature congregations have to be developed. So if we're learning, we need to know that learning does 
doesn't come just in a flash. If we're teaching, we need to remember that the human mind has so much going through it. Only by patient and persistent efforts can the Word of God come to rule in the hearts of man. It's not a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. The growth of the kingdom of God is gradual, but it's also orderly. We forget that sometimes. Our God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos and confusion. There's a simplicity, excuse me, a simplicity and a directness about the gospel message. I think about the Ten Commandments. I talked about this a little bit in my Sunday school class this morning. When I think about God's order, I think about the Ten Commandments because he gave these simple commands through Moses. And then when the, when the spiritual men, air quotes there, when the spiritual men got a hold of these Ten Commandments, they added over 600 bylaws, if you will, to God's original Ten Commandments so that they wouldn't break one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt not steal wasn't good enough. They had to give multiple definitions of what it would be to steal. Actually, some of these additional commands were based on racial prejudices. They were based on the preferences of man. For example, you may not know this, but on the Sabbath day, they were so serious about the difference, understanding the difference between working on the Sabbath and not working on the Sabbath, resting, if you will, that they had all these little rules Um, they would actually mark off how far you could walk in a direction from your house so that it would not count as as work. So you wouldn't have, you cross that line and you are no longer resting on the Sabbath, you are working. They they had that marked off. Um, (laughs) If a wall, this is is in there, if a wall were to fall on someone, okay, on the Sabbath, it's like the perfect storm. You're in your house, it's the Sabbath, all of a sudden your wall fell down on you. If you could call somebody to help you, (laughs) and if he was Jewish and you were Jewish, he could come and remove enough of the wall to help you out of your predicament. And it wouldn't count as work. But if the person the wall fell on was a Gentile, a non-Jew... You were not allowed to help them if you were a Jew because that would be considered work, hence breaking the Sabbath. That's not the kind of order that God had in mind when he established the Ten Commandments. Even even in the New Testament, Jesus makes everything orderly and simple. They they ask him about the commands. They ask him about the commandments. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, couldn't get that out. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. They didn't like it because Jesus just did away with their little extra. But what if my neighbor isn't a Jew? It doesn't matter. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the order that God brought brought it about to be. Because kingdom growth is orderly. Kingdom growth is rooted in loving others. Kingdom growth, according to to what Jesus said here, is putting others' needs above your own. We don't need to be confused by other religions or other religious rules or what other people believe because God has maintained order for us throughout His Word from the very beginning and it's preserved for us in the Bible. Kingdom growth is gradual. It's orderly. And make no mistake, as the parable of the growing seed shows us, the kingdom of growth is from God. 
Now you may be wondering, well, what exactly does he mean by that? I want to use our mission statement as my illustration for this. Huntsville Christian Church has a very simple mission statement. It's win, commit, grow, and go. And at first glance, all of those action words seem to be words that, that the, the preferred outcome is on us as members. Win, commit, grow, and go. Like, that's all on us. But when you look deeper at the mission of Huntsville Christian Church, you will see that each of these focal points are only attainable through God's plan of gradual order. You see, growth that happens ultimately happens through Him. In order to win people to Christ, we first have to love them boldly like Christ loved. I just shared with you Matthew 22, 37-39. There's an old saying about care. People don't care how much you know about God until they know how much you care about them. If we're to reach out to people, if we're to win them for Christ, our love for them and our love for each other needs to be obvious. Our desire of community, it should be recognized through our actions inside this building and outside of this building. At Huntsville Christian Church, we don't want you to just win people. We want everyone that we know to commit to following Jesus. We can only encourage that commitment, but we can do it by connecting. We encourage the commitment by connecting unselfishly with others. Now, what does that mean? It means when we connect with people in this building and in our community, and we serve people without expecting anything personally in return. For example, have any of you been asked for money going in and out of a store? Or asked for a meal going in and out of a McDonald's. If you give someone money, if you give someone one of those gifts, don't expect to get it back. It's not a loan. It's you being a reflection of Christ to that person in need. If you think they're scamming you, then don't do it. That's between you and God. But what I'm getting at is we need to give without expecting anything back. If you buy someone's groceries... Because they're shortchanged at the cash register. Don't go looking for them next week and go, Hey, remember I, I loaned you 20 so you could pay off your grocery bill. I'm going to need that back. That's not how it works. We can't expect people to repay acts of service. When people see that you are living your life committed to Jesus, they're going to take notice. And no favor repaid is more valuable than you living your life to honor God. See, as you commit to following Jesus, you should be growing spiritually. Now, some people would say, well, that's the church's job to grow me spiritually. I'll take that challenge. Guess how we're helping to grow you spiritually? Well, for starters, we've got a new Sunday school series that just started. A semester-based time. Some of you are enjoying it. Some of you haven't come back. But you're here right now, and you know who you are, and I love you anyways. I can't make you be committed. <laughs> I can only lead you there. See, to, to grow, we need to be committed to grow in our faith. We need to be committed to understanding what God would have us do. I mentioned in Sunday school as well, we talk about honoring God and people always go, well, I don't know, I don't know how to honor God. Well, we know when we haven't honored God, so there's a start. Let's, let's do the opposite of that and you'll honor God. And as you grow in Christ, you will want to serve like Christ. He served humbly. Where there's a need, you will have a burden to meet it. When you look at the service of Jesus, what he did in his life, in his ministry, from making wine at a wedding because his mother asked him to, 
And he even said to her, he said, woman, my time has not yet come. It's, it's not time for me to be revealed to the people yet. And you're asking me to do this, this amazing thing, to provide wine from water. And he did it. He submitted to her. He did it. From that first miracle to washing his disciples' feet, Jesus continually served others through his life, and he did it humbly. Here's the thing. Humble service is a natural byproduct of growing in Christ. When we talk about the secrets of growth in Christ, serving with humility is a natural byproduct of maturing and growing in Christ. Now, my favorite part of our mission statement, can you guess what it is? Go. Not yet, because we're not done. (laughs) Go. As we go, we should be sharing the Word of God unconditionally with people, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from. Jesus shared love with everyone he met. The woman at the well. Nicodemus, the Pharisee that came to him at night because he was embarrassed to see him during the day. The Bible doesn't say that. I just assume he was embarrassed to go talk to him at night or in the daytime. Jesus loved the Gentiles. Jesus loved the Jews. He loved the demon-possessed. He even loved those who were caught in adultery. We should be a reflection of that love, willing to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we meet. Whether they're black, white, Muslim, Buddhist, Baha'i, Wiccan, Catholic, hippie, heathen, alcoholic, drug-addicted, stripper, struggling, falling away, divorced, gay, straight, lesbian, bi-gender, whatever it is, we should be willing to go out with the love of Jesus Christ and be a reflection of that. That's what go is. It's not for me to judge. It's not for you to judge. It's for us to love. And if you want to know the secret of growth in Christ, that's it. We need to stop making excuses as to why we won't go. And we need to get ourselves in gear because even though the kingdom growth doesn't ultimately depend on us, we are called to be a light that shines for Jesus Christ in our world. There's no escaping that reality. Kingdom growth is gradual. Kingdom growth is orderly. Kingdom growth is from God. It's not from us. There is nothing I can do of my own self that is going to advance the kingdom the best thing i have to offer is filthy rags before god but because of jesus christ i can go and i can show love his love to others we are to be vessels of reflection we are to be filled by god and overflow his love into others i want to interject this one last secret about kingdom growth this morning and it comes from john chapter 3 verse 3 And again, it's it's Jesus talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, at night. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Just like a seed, the kingdom of God has gradual growth. I want to draw your attention to our newest painting over here. If If you haven't had the opportunity to look at it, Just go ahead and gaze. See, it all starts with a seed planted in good soil. And as I talked about that first week, that soil is your heart. Whether it's hard, whether it's trampled on, whether it's fertile soil, that's up to you. But that seed starts right there. And as I said earlier in this message, before a seed can grow into a stalk of wheat, or for an acorn to grow into an oak tree to be big and strong, The seed first has to die. 
But as that seed dies, the roots grow deep into that good soil. And then the blade starts, and you see the little blades there. And and then the mature grain, the head, if you will. Or in the case of the oak tree, many years later, a huge tree has grown from a small dead seed. It's the same thing for us. You see, with the act of baptism, we are killing our old self. And out of that shell of selfishness and worldliness grows a new life, should grow a new life in Christ. It's fresh, it's forgiven, and it's from God. And as you make this commitment of making Christ the Savior and Lord of your life, we often want a Savior, we don't often want a Lord. We make that commitment of making Christ the Savior and Lord of our life, and as you grow in His Word, as you go out being a reflection of what you are reading, what you are learning in His Word, kingdom growth from God Himself will be happening in your life. And if we do our part, God will do His part. Our God keeps His promises. How about you? Are you ready to keep your promise that you made to Him? Are you ready to do your part? Are you ready to at least plant the seed of the gospel in your life and allow God to water and grow that seed? As we come to our response time this morning, this is your time to let God know how you'll respond to His Word. I told you last week, we have a responsibility when we hear the Word of God. How we respond to it shows God whether or not it was even planted. I want to let you know, if you need prayer, our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to bury your old self in baptism and start fresh with a new growth today, the baptistry is ready. But whatever you've decided, will you stand and respond as we sing? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you that as, as we hear your word, we respond. And uh, we're so excited that Jasmine wants to join with us, wants to serve with us here in this community, wants to, to be a part of making a difference. And I just pray that as, as she grows with us and as we grow with her, that we will honor you uh, with accountability, with living life together. And uh, I just thank you. We could be here today. So in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's been great to be here with all of you this morning. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want to challenge you to go planting seeds and being a light that reflects Christ. That's your job. If you do your job, our God will do his job. Because his word does not come back null and void. Sing this last song with us, please.